I just love that. It inspires me that, you know, to try new things, to be creative, to have projects that we think, well, that didn't go anywhere. And then later, maybe the Lord just picks it back up and says, now it's time. Tomorrow is always fresh with no mistakes in it. Ah, yes, true, true. And maybe you recognize that truism if you happen to be a fan of Anne, that is, Anne of Green Gables. And if you are, well, you've come to the right place, my misfit friends, because that's what we're here to talk about today. I have the great pleasure of speaking with Rachel Dodge, who, among other things that we'll get to, I'm guessing she is a pretty big fan of Anne herself, because... She wrote a chapter-by-chapter companion for kindred spirits called the Anne of Green Gables Devotional, and she's here to talk with me about it right here, right now. So glad to have you here on the Isle of Misfits, Rachel. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, we are so thrilled to have you, and I don't think I gave you a proper introduction. I just called you Rachel. Your your full name is Rachel Dodge. That's right. Yes. (laughs) Just for posterity, we'll get that out there. So as per the quote, uh, this interview is still fresh with no mistakes in it. Yeah, well, I guess I just made one, but um, we'll see how far we can get. Um, but I'm so glad to have you here with us today. So, um, so Rachel, I, I think I'm just going to jump right in and um, invite you to play a stupid game. I think that would be a great way to start out. Okay, let's do it. All right, she's up for it. I love it already. She's a good sport. So, all right, so our stupid game, um, I fashioned it. I always try to fashion it, tailor make it for my guests, and you are no exception. So your game is, um, I actually peeked on your website, and we'll talk about that in a little while. Um, But you, among other things, are an expert on Jane Austen, and you had a blog post about what would Jane do. So I thought it's only natural. We need to talk about what would and do so here's how we're going to play it okay i'm going to give you a scenario and you're going to tell me how Anne would handle it (laughs) okay are you up for it okay and the beauty is there's no wrong answers yep no wrong answers we'll accept whatever you tell us okay so um i'll start with an easy one okay and i'm actually kind of riffing off of what you did with your jane thing so um all right question number one how would Anne deal with all these COVID shutdowns? Oh, that's a good one. Uh-huh, okay. uh-huh. Well, Anne has a great imagination, so I think she would come up with quite a lot to do. I think she would tackle a lot of books. She loves to read. Indeed. Uh, she definitely would enjoy having some time off because, you know, she always was off in her own world anyway when she's supposed to be doing chores or something else. So she'd probably enjoy some free time. All the downtime. Uh, maybe she would. Now, one big thing in COVID is everybody's been baking, right? And mm-hmm. Anne is, she loves to be in the kitchen, but she's not great at it because of her imagination. So, you know, she has quite a bit of trouble in there, forgets flour and cakes and things like that. But maybe she could use COVID time to really perfect, you know, some of her baking skills. Yes, hone those and skills, yes. Because as they say, <laughs> baking baking is chemistry, right? Cooking is an art. Right. Baking is chemistry. Right. 
and probably some nature walks, right? I mean, a lot of us got a lot more walking in than normal during COVID because right, all we right. can do is go on a walk. <laughs> yep, float herself yeah, down the river, right? Like the Lady of yes, Shalot. Yeah, yes. yeah. Maybe go sleep in a cherry tree, you know, something like that. Exactly. And I'm thinking somewhere in there she's got to write and or direct a play because, you know, come on. She's sure, got the time. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But <laughs> all right, all right. I think yeah, I, I buy it. Yeah. I, I can I can see all that happening. So good answer. See, I told you, you can't go wrong. Okay. All right, moving right along. So um, as I said, you are something of an authority on the subject of Jane Austen. I understand you wrote your master's thesis. Uh, I'm going to say that again. I understand you wrote your master's thesis on etiquette and Pride and Prejudice. Is that correct? That's right. Okay, so that's really intimidating me right there, but it's not good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to press on. I'm going to move past it. So, um, so I'm thinking it's not a huge leap, maybe, between uh, Jane Austen's characters and those in the Anne series, right? Um, so that's your setup, yeah. okay? Okay. So, all right. So it's a big setup for a very short scenario because I'm, I'm going to drop it on you now. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, she's ready. All right, Anne... And Lizzie Bennett in a verbal smackdown. Who wins? And oh. why? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. oh my goodness! Because you know we want to think we, about. <laughs> we want to see this. Yes, I was going to say I really would like to see this happen. Wow, okay. I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I. So Elizabeth has the witty cut. She can really get in there with like her sarcasm and a cutting comment, but Anne could probably out-talk Lizzie. (laughs) Just by, yes, by sheer quantity of words, yes. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, I'm going to almost go with with Anne Shirley, just because purely the amount of words she can get out of her mouth in like a minute's time if it was if it was down to word count Anne would win oh yeah she would she would talk her down to the floor i think i think <laughs> i'm with you <laughs> that would be pay-per-view i'm just saying yes <laughs> okay all right so we just gave somebody out there an idea to run with so a um, million dollar idea right there Okay, final question. So, um, all right, so now that we're talking about pay-per-view and watching, so, all right, what show, if she could, if she would, would Anne binge watch? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, this is hard. (laughs) There's a lot to choose. I know. I've given you much to think about today. I'm sure there's like such a clever answer to this. And it's not coming to me. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay. what have we all been busy? Sorry, we got time. <laughs> okay, right. well, I'll just go with I what mean, all she, the young yeah. people seem to love right now. And maybe she would watch The Office or something like that. It might be interesting to her because she loves, you know, people and finding out what they do in their daily lives. I don't know. That's that's maybe a stretch. I'm sure there's something better. Oh, well, you know, I, I think she, yes, she was a student of culture, so she probably would, would want to <laughs> to study them. But I, yeah. mean, I think she would probably enjoy Downton Abbey for the drama and the romance. So oh, for sure. You can go right with up a show that was a while ago, then for sure. Right. Yeah, because for her it would be like a documentary, because, you know, only a few short years, right, after her time. Right, yeah. So. <laughs> Well, you did fabulously well. Um, 
thank you so much for being uh, such a good sport with that. So for your trouble, what I didn't tell you, I always like to save this surprise. You actually, for your trouble, you get for your very own drinking pleasure, your very own Isle of Misfit mug. So congratulations. Oh. I'll be sending that wow. to you. Yes, oh, it's... thank you. <laughs> you are very welcome. And, you know, you can binge watch. You can verbally smack people down as you drink, whatever you want. It's, it's yours to do with yes. what you want. Awesome. <laughs> well, wonderful. Okay, so, all right, moving right along. So um, let's talk about the devotional. That's really what you're here to talk about. Here's where I want to start. What gave you the idea for the devotional in the first place? Okay, so my first book I wrote on Jane Austen's prayers, and it's called Praying with Jane, 31 Days to the Prayers of Jane Austen, and that sparked more than ever my love for kind of combining my love for the Lord and Bible study and all of that and devotional writing with my love for classic literature. And so a year and a half or two after the Jane Austen devotional had come out, I was of course, you know, always brainstorming as writers do. And I just kept thinking, okay, if I could do one more classic devotional type of a thing, what would it be? And I realized there's nothing else in the world I would rather write about than Anne of Green Gables. You know, if I could write one more in my life, it would be that. And so uh, I've always been so intrigued and touched by the fact that she has this story of adoption and belonging. And I, as an adult, I don't think I saw this as when I was growing up very much, but as an adult and as someone who, you know, as I've grown in my faith, I, I saw all of those connections in the book to more spiritual themes. And so I was uh, just, I would sit down and I would literally just open the book and I had my journal and my Bible and I just started going through it. And each chapter I would just see like one theme that would stick out and I would just start journaling through and, I really wanted to do something that was chapter by chapter. I'm a very linear person. I'm a very organized person. But I just thought, you know, to actually trace Anne's steps through each chapter and have something that a reader could actually read their, you know, one of their favorite books and have a devotional to go with it. I mean, what could be better, right? And it could help you actually want to do your devotions in the morning. You know, you think we all start devotionals and then, you know, maybe a month in we go, Oh, I haven't picked it up in a few days. So it was my hope that designing these types of devotionals would actually make people excited to sit down and think, okay, I'm going to open my Anna Green Gables devotional and I've got my book and all these wonderful memories. And now I get to have time with the Lord. So it all just kind of came together through, you know, my desire to keep writing devotionals uh, based on classic literature and the fact that Anna Green Gables is probably my yeah, I would say it's my most favorite book, and I've read it over and over and over and over since I was probably in fourth grade. That was actually, I was going to ask you, when was the first time that you read it? So about fourth grade? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't remember exactly, but somewhere in there, I remember watching the movies with my parents and then getting into the books and just loving it. And I pretended I was Anne, like, for years and years. <laughs> just always nice. well, Anne. <laughs> so you were far advanced. I think when I was in fourth grade, I was reading Charlotte's Web, and I, I distinctly remember doing, like, the same book report for maybe three or four years in a row. So, um, yeah, so, because <laughs> yeah. I, you know, true confessions years later, we kept going to different schools, so I kept recycling it. Um, but, nice. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but, but um, yeah, but your idea, you know, you talked about being linear, and, yeah, I mean, 
this it's a story it's a journey and it's a trajectory so to to follow her story with a series of of devotional thoughts i think that's a wonderful idea because you know sometimes with devotionals you kind of go okay what's today's random thought and and i know yeah. you know with devotionals it's never really random like god has something for you that day or you know you can you can find truth in in just about anything but there's something about following a story and and growing along with it Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And this one, it, but there's 38 chapters in the book, and so I've designed it as a 40-day devotional, just, to, you know, an even number, and 40 is very biblical, but um, just so people listening know that there is one entry per chapter for the book, and then the last two are kind of bonuses, and one is kind of about reconciliation, a little hint is something to do with Anne and Gilbert, and then the last one is kind of about how Anne of Green Gables came about, how Lucy Maud Montgomery uh, was able to get it published and, and just kind of tying that in with our story, like God's story for us and it's still being written. So that way you have a 40 day thing to do, you know, 40 day devotional. And then there's discussion questions and there's a little glossary at the end of kind of Anne's best sayings, her best lines, because she has so many good quotes. Nice. Nice. So, uh, so you just mentioned Lucy Maud Montgomery. I want to. I would love to talk about that for just a second because um, I just learned this myself. I did not realize this that she this story almost wasn't published, right? I'm, and I'm sure you right. know the back. So, so talk a little bit about that. Okay, so she, yeah, she wrote. She was always writing at the time. She had never written a novel. She was more of a short story writer. She wrote. Um, serials, you know, series in newspapers and newsletters, Sunday school newsletters and things like that that were popular at the time. And so she always wrote kind of shorter things, maybe a three-part series or a six-part series, that type of stuff. And so, and a lot of her shorter stories that are now in, you know, you can buy different anthologies and compilations, but she would always keep track of all of her ideas in notebooks. She was really into having these little notebooks. And so I guess at one point she wrote a line or two in a notebook and I'm going to have to paraphrase, but it was something like um, elderly couple uh, asks for, you know, orphan boy, a girl is sent instead. Like I said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something like that. Very short. She just had like a line or two on a, on the kind of margin of her journal where she keeps all of her ideas for future stories. Mm-hmm. And so she set that aside and didn't come back to it for a few years. And one day is kind of looking for some ideas for a new series she needed to write for a Sunday school newsletter. And she came back to that. And so she named her and Shirley, she developed her character, started writing her story and I believe it was supposed to be like an eight-part series. And as she wrote it, Anne just came to life. And she realized, you know, Montgomery just realized this is not a short serial or a series of any kind. This is a novel. She deserves the whole story. And she'd never written a novel before. She was very nervous about it. But she put her heart into it, wrote the whole thing. Um, then she sent it to a few publishers, and everyone rejected it. And so she, the story goes that she put it in a hat box and set it aside and ended up in the attic. And like a year or two later, she's up there rustling around for something else and stumbles upon Anne's story again, pulls it out, reads the whole thing right there and just realizes this is a great story. I have to try again. Mm. So she kind of did a little bit of revision, re-edited, retyped it. I guess her first typewriter had missing keys and stuff. So, you know, it's probably a hard manuscript to read. So retyped the whole thing, sent it out, and then she did almost immediately get 
you know, I think it was Page and Co., if I have that right, that was the publisher. And as soon as Anne of Green Gables came out, it was an instant success. Not like other authors where you think, you know, after they're dead, they're finally, you know, you know, well-known or something. She was instantly successful with that book. Wow. So, I mean, and I love stories like that because even though it was an instant success, it wasn't instant in the sense that she, you know, she, she could have just left it in that hat box up in the attic, right? She was like, oh, well, I tried, I tried and oh, well, um, and yet she persevered. And I I think that in itself is a story because how many of us are dealing with whatever it is in our life? Like, oh, well, I, I tried and I guess it didn't work, but you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. there's a timing for things, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, and I love the idea that she just wrote a little note to herself and then later mm-hmm. it ended up becoming this amazing story, obviously a wonderful book that people have it's been translated into so many languages and been reprinted hundreds of times. And I just think, wow, that, that speaks to me about how God is writing my story. I don't know the whole story yet. I only maybe see a piece of it, mm-hmm. but he is writing it. It is unfolding. He has a plan. He knows where we're going. I sometimes only see that little slip of paper, right? But he has the, right. whole, the whole picture in his mind. He can see it. And that I just love that. It inspires me that, you know, to try new things, to be creative, to have projects that we think, well, that didn't go anywhere. And then later, maybe the Lord just picks it back up and says, now it's time. Right, right. And it speaks to how we interpret things, too, right? And, and it's funny that, you, you know, we're talking about this because I, I wrote a couple of notes from what I read of your devotional. And one of the things that jumped out at me is um, you wrote that, you know, God is working behind the scenes, right? And we don't often realize it, obviously, because that's what behind the scenes means. It's, it's not obvious. Right. It's not for the audience to necessarily uh, uh, comprehend up front. And yet, at some point, it all comes together in the right time. Yep, that's right. So, there was one one other thing that just jumped out at me, and um, it was early on. It was one of the first, I think maybe it was even the first entry, so I won't give it all away, but uh, the thought that, that jumped out at me was, God often gives us what we don't know we need. And I think that kind of dovetails with what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah, that. Yeah, I won't give away much, but in that first day, um, I've entitled it A Divine Detour. And it's the idea that Marilla Cuthbert thinks she's getting a boy who's just going to be a farm helper. And yes, they'll raise him and they'll give him schooling and all that. But she's not really thinking about being a mother. And then this little red-haired girl comes in the door and she gets a huge surprise. And, you know, she thought she just needed help around the farm. She's a practical, pragmatic woman and was just like, we'll set up a bed, we'll feed him, we'll clothe him, we'll send him to school, we'll, we'll raise him up right. Little did she know she was going to end up being a mother and fall in love with this little girl. And so there's that first devotional is all about how God can just do such surprising things, give us things we never knew we wanted or needed, and fulfill desires that we maybe either have kind of died or we've let them go thinking, mm. oh, that's never going to happen. I mean, she was an old, you know, an old maid, or a spinster, so to speak, in that time period. And she, I'm sure being a mother had long, was a dream long ago, you know. And, you know, for thinking of Marilla as a real person, you know, you can relate to that. Just think, yeah, if I was in my 60s or however old Marilla is and I've never been married, never had children, that dream has long gone. <laughs> 
And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, right. there's this opportunity to have this raise this little girl. So just a, a really sweet thing to think about that God has uh, often gives us gifts that at first we don't even recognize. It yeah. as a gift. We might think, what is this? <laughs> but it's yeah, a yeah. detour. <laughs> you know, and that, that's such a great insight. Even as you're speaking, it's like, you know, when you, just when you think, well, that ship has sailed or, you know, and, mm. and or when something comes to you that, you didn't even dare to ask God about because you're like, no, I'm not even going to go there. And yet here, you know, here it is. Here it is before you. You didn't mm-hmm. ask for it. Um, you know, you talked about, you know, that you are a linear person. I'm probably a little more nonlinear. But but even so, whether we, whether we have it all mapped out or we just kind of take it as it comes, we all have this idea of how things are supposed to go, right? And mm-hmm. When it doesn't go that way, we think, oh, well, uh, you know, but we don't see the big picture. Yeah, exactly. But God does. That God does. And it's a good thing he does because he is in control. So, Rachel, I can't believe time is going by so quickly because there's more I want to <laughs> talk to you about. Um, so, all right, this is an unfair question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, favorite line or quote from the story or the series? Do you, do you have one that just is your absolute favorite? Hmm. So many. I know. Uh, I, I know. Um, I mean, I, I, the, I do love that, you know, tomorrow has, you know, has no mistakes in it, of course. Um, but I think there's a few, I really, there's one that I picked out in the book that is so sweet that I think reminds us that there's good people around us. We just kind of have to look for them. Um, mm. when she says kindred spirits are not so scarce as I used to think it's, blended to find out there are so many of them in the world. And I think the older I get, the more I see the truth in that, that, you know, sometimes when you're younger, you feel like, I don't know if I can, you know, it's hard to find your people, your tribe, people who relate to you. You know, we're talking about, right. you know, mis- misfits and things like that. It's yeah. Like that. Yeah. Times where I didn't, I didn't, couldn't find other people who were in love with Anna Green Gables and like to read books and dress up and pretend and do all that when I was growing up. It was, I didn't have as many people to relate to. Um, but as you grow up, you realize there are lots of people who are kindred spirits, people who are interesting and wonderful and loving. And I think it's just kind of opening our eyes and our hearts to them to see, even if we aren't exactly the same, there's so much that we can um, enjoy about one another. Um, and then the other one I have to say, I like for this book because of the theme of adoption and belonging is that, um, she says, Anne says something uh, along the lines of, um, it's much, I'd much rather be Anna Green Gables than Anne of Nowhere in particular. And I think that speaks to me as far as just loving the Lord and knowing that he is my heavenly father. And so throughout the, the devotional, I, I talk a lot about that theme of adoption, belonging, and living like we belong, actually functioning like children of God, not like orphans anymore, spiritually. So those two are probably my top two. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I can see why, because they both speak to, you know, like you said, belonging. And there's such an emphasis, and especially now in these weird times that we're living in. And I know weird is an overused term, and unprecedented is an overused term, and new normal, whatever. But, you know, we have this longing for connection. And it's been exacerbated now because of some of the obstacles with the isolation that that so many of us have been dealing with and and separation from loved ones. Um, And yet that quote that you brought up is so important about kindred spirits and they're, they're maybe not as rare as we 
think they are and they maybe are nearer than we think they are if only we would open our eyes and our hearts and mm. such an important point um so thank you for bringing that up i i think i think that's a lifeline for us right now i do too i do too yeah so rachel tell us how we can get this book when it comes out just tell us everything we need to know okay. about getting in touch with you okay so the book is releasing November 1st. Anywhere books are sold, you can go online, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the places you like to shop. Um, if you'd like to find me or more about me or my writing, my blogging, uh, all of that, the easiest place to find me is at www.racheldodge.com, R-A-C-H-E-L-D-O-D-G-E.com. And then from there, you could click to find me on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you like to hang out online. Um, I do enjoy doing a lot of, um, I like to talk about books and do little mini devotionals and things like that on, on Instagram and on Facebook. So, and on my blog, on uh, my website. So if anyone would like to find me there, I'd love to connect. Nice, and perhaps you'll help us brush up on our Jane Austen etiquette. Oh, yes, I'd love to. <laughs> okay, because, yeah, I think I need some help there. So, um, Rachel, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been so much fun talking with you, and um, I just I can't wait for people to get this devotional because I just think it's it's more than sweet. I think it's it's something that's really going to help people draw close to each other and and draw close to the God who loves them and has been orchestrating their lives, whether they know it or not. Yes, thank you for having me. That is my prayer. I, I really do put so much prayer and thought into these devotions. Each entry, I think and pray about who's going to be reading it. So I do pray that whoever picks it up, that it, the Lord will bless each person and really draw people closer to knowing Him in their daily lives and just knowing His love for them as a Heavenly Father. Well, amen to that, and thanks so much. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for having me. Every day, every hour, overwhelm me with your power. Rearrange me here and now. Every day, every hour, overwhelm me with your power. Rearrange me here.